Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. We're glad you're here. I'm Kevin McDonald, your host for this grand adventure, and I thank you for joining us. You see, our mission is to create a positive, personal connection to all things with courage and love. We invite terrific guests, interesting topics, and great conversation, all in a fun, entertaining way. And we always manage to learn something, too. So I hope you will stay right where you are for this episode of Positive Talk Radio. And welcome, everybody, to Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald. It's a Monday morning. It's a Monday morning, and I hope everybody's excited because it's going to be a short week, I'm hoping, for everybody, uh, like a three-day week, perhaps. And uh, I hope that everybody's going to be safe and travel uh, appropriately and do the things that they need to do to stay safe and, and stuff because you're going to get together with family and, and friends and all of that kind of good stuff. And that's always a good idea if you can be friendly and stuff. And by the way, I'd like to introduce uh, the um, the producer of the hour, and his name is Benny. Oh, thank you. Wow, look at that. Oh, stop it. Yeah. Please, stop it. Please. Oh, thank you. Keep it going. Yeah, <laughs> you get you get to have a, a applause and everything. That's and perfect. You're so, fun, you're so funny most of the time that we go. Oh, no, we do come on! You sure that's for this producer? Oh, there's other producers here that work your show. I'm not throwing them under the bus there. Yeah, I I have the afternoon gentleman that I uh, get to work with. He's he's Mr. Writer yeah. uh, to us because he's all that and a bag of chips. Yeah, he is. Yes, yes, indeed. And uh, um, I do believe that in any event, we've got uh, a great guest for you today. Uh, we're going to talk uh, to a gentleman by the name of he's Dr. James Granger. And uh, we're going to talk to him in just a minute. But, but Benny, I got to tell you a couple things. First of all, okay. what in the world happened to your Seahawks yesterday? Oh, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> oh, no, I do want to talk about it. No offense. Zero offense. Like, I mean, I get it. He's coming back. Russell Wilson's coming back from a little injury. You know, I get it. But we have other players that can fill in, or we just need to kind of try something new. Or we're getting old. <laughs> yeah, it's it's he, he doesn't he looks like a shadow of his former self. He really yeah, does. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I, I just want to get on board still with, like, be the best that you can be and and. His little run-out moves, they're not as quick as they used to be. No. Like, everyone no. knows he does those little run-out moves, so there's going to be another backup plan on that. But I don't want to get into sports-related items, but we were holding him for a minute. We had a couple opportunities, missed opportunities then. And then, of course, I mean, you look at Arizona. They are just, they're, what, 9-2 and two now? They're doing very well. Yeah, Their no, we are we're, we are done. We are now we're now lobbying for draft picks, uh, yeah. even though we don't get any because we gave it away for uh, Jamal Adams. So. We're lobbying for a coach pick. Maybe it's possible. <laughs> Sorry, Pete. Sorry, buddy. Sorry, buddy. I tell you, it's 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 a very difficult thing. Yeah. Speaking of difficult things, yes. you know. This is a positive program, and yeah. we like to stay positive, but uh, there's some things that happen in our world that that uh, just defy belief, and what happened yesterday in Wisconsin, um, where a, a, a van ran into uh, people during a Christmas parade, of all things, and, and some people were, well, a bunch of people were hurt, and um, several people have died. Um, mm. I believe the number was five. And, and At this so, point, yeah. Our, our heart goes out to all of those people that had to deal with that and the people who got to watch it because there were multiple films of it 
that uh, that have been released and and stuff. So mm-hmm. it's uh, a very difficult thing. So it's really apropos. Hey, do you like that word? I That's love a it. new word for me. It's really apropos that we have a gentleman with us today who is, uh, and I haven't had a chance to talk with him much, so this will be a real interesting, free-ranging interview, but he is a doctor in Georgia. I believe it's Georgia, and uh, so he is probably an Atlanta Falcons fan, um, but uh, that's neither here nor there. So so why don't, we, why don't we just introduce Dr. James Granger to the show. Doctor, how are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. Well, you're, it's, it's dynamite to have you here, um, and uh, you, you are, have been a doctor for a long time, and what is, your specialty is uh, non-medicated pain management. Is that so? Yeah, that's one way of putting it. Uh, pain management, emphasis on acupuncture, trying to stay away from, from pharmaceuticals in the midst of this opiate epidemic that's been ongoing for years. It is, you know, it's interesting. My sister has had a lot of health challenges and the difference between when I had a hip replaced years ago and the way that they treat opiates now is completely different, isn't it? Yeah, it's, 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 it's gone from one extreme to the other. You know, it was basically pass them out like candy and now the pendulum is swinging the other way, but then that kind of leaves patients, uh, will become dependent on these medications in a bad spot, um, you know, as the pendulum swings back and forth, so to speak. It, may, it makes it really tough, and, and people are in search of exactly what it is that you do uh, because you're, you, you help people get uh, a little bit more pain-free, and you do it naturally, right? Yeah. We, you know, our, our mission is to get people who, you know, are addicted to opiates to try acupuncture, other things, uh, to mitigate their opiate needs or get rid of them entirely or you know ideally introduce people to acupuncture so they never have to use opiates um you know i don't know if any of the listeners have seen that movie dope sick on netflix uh, my fiance asked me to come watch it i said i don't need to watch it. i know how that story ends um it's it's a you know under under addressed epidemic it's, you know, I was looking at the statistics and the statistics are just horrible that like, what is it like 50 or 60,000 people a year are dying in this country of opiate overdose? Yeah. Yeah. It's like I said, it's, it's an underdressed epidemic, um, you know, and those are just the deaths, you know, what, what the other part of the story that doesn't get told is the effect it has on families. You know, if that's a mom or a dad, overdosing that has effect on kids on brothers and sisters and cousins and et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's really something that's, that's under addressed. Um, we need to put more resources into it and the COVID epidemic on top of it has only made it worse. And indeed, indeed. I, just as a, an aside story, I have to tell you, I was a bus driver for a long time. Um, and, um, one day I was, uh, I had picked up my bus and, and had stopped at uh, um, the the layover point, and uh, everybody got off the bus except for one guy and his and his friend. And the one guy would not respond, and his friend was like, "Come on, man, we gotta go!" And he was out. He was like really out, and so um, we couldn't wake him to save 
our lives. And so I called the paramedics and uh, the the ambulance came and they said, well, you know, he's he's having a uh, opiate overdose and um, he's dying unless we get him the uh, what is it? Tarkan, Arcan, Narcan, Narcan. And so they had to call. They had to call actually Medic One because only they're the only ones that are able to do it. They had that he was down on the ground and they had him um, with uh, um, air, you know, air. And uh, they had his. Uh, um, they were taking his blood pressure and all that kind of stuff, and he wasn't doing very well. And then they came with this miracle drug suddenly, and it was like he suddenly woke up, sat up. And, and was ready to stand up and stuff, and they took him off, and, and I said, so he's going to be okay? And he said, no, that stuff only lasts for a little while. He'll be back the way he was. So we have to get him to the hospital real quick. Um, is, that, is that stuff the, the miracle cure that, they, that it seems to be? It's not a miracle cure. What the Narcan does is it, it basically blocks the opiate receptors, gets the opiates off the opiate receptors, and it doesn't last very long. So like the directions we have when we – uh, prescribe it for somebody is, you know, do a few squirts in the nose every two or three minutes, but you should be calling 911 um, just in the situation you described there. Um, now, having said that, there is a long acting form that's taken orally of naloxone that blocks opiate receptors, and that's used to do it long term. The problem with that is that treatment when it's used long-term, if somebody gets into an accident and they need opiates, that's just that much more medicine that the uh, anesthesiologist would have to overcome. Um, I use a different medication for the treatment of uh, opiate addiction in my office called buprenorphine, which uh, is more commonly referred to as Suboxone, which is an opiate in itself. It's a replacement for the opiates in similar way that they use methadone to treat opiate addiction. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Well, let's, let's talk about your core work, which is, uh, first of all, for those that are listening that have absolutely no idea what acupuncture is or what it's about, could you kind of give us a thumbnail sketch? Yeah. The, the kind of cliff note version is your body has channels in its energy channels, so to speak. And on those channels are points. And by activating those points, you can help the body heal itself. Um, a lot of people will look at it and say, oh, well, it's just nerves. There's not a direct correlation between the energy channels and nerves. Um, sometimes I do activate nerves with the acupuncture, um, but it's basically helping your body healing itself by balancing out those channels in your body. You know, we have a, a new po a podcast that uh, one of these days I'd love for you to be on. It's called uh, Think Energy because we are actually energetic beings in a physical body. And so these these channels that you're talking about are really all throughout the body, aren't they? Yes. And it's, it's you know, one of the interesting things is there's 12 major channels, as in 12 months of the year. And there's about 365 points, as in 365 days a year. <laughs> Amazing how it's, that works. Yeah, it's funny how that works. And, you know, a lot of people, when you mention energy channels, they'll kind of look at you kind of funny. But if you look at this desk I have in front of me, you know, it's, it's made up of, we'll call it wood, but it's not. Wood, which is made up of molecules, which is made up of atoms, which is made up of electrons, which is energy. So everything is energy. 
um, if you look at it, you know, from a, a wider lens um, and don't look at it as in the solid liquid gas um, vision that, that Western science has us look at. Um, one of the things that's different about the acupuncture in my office is I do a lot of electroacupuncture where we're using electricity to stimulate the, the body because the electrons are the, the healing component. And that is done along nerves, along meridians, and along the fascia, which is the most energy-sensitive tissue in the body. I understand that that is that the method of doing uh, acupuncture is is the preferred method now and is very, very effective. Yeah. Yeah. Years ago, I didn't do electroacupuncture, but now I, I almost do it exclusively. And most of the research with the electroacupuncture actually comes from medical doctors. Um, it's just not in the U.S. We're, we're a bit behind other countries. Um, as far as the use of acupuncture for pain, which, you know, says a lot when we're ahead of other countries when it comes to opiate abuse and overdose deaths. Those two things seem to kind of go hand in hand, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So that's my my quiet mission is to, you know, as many people as I can get them pain-free without pills. You know, let's use the least amount of pharmaceuticals as possible, particularly when it's something that's so uh, addictive and dangerous as opiates. Why do you think it is? I mean, we like to think of ourselves as being progressive and, and on top of everything, but why is it that we are behind in something that, from what I understand, acupuncture has been in Eastern medicine for thousands of years? Yeah, acupuncture has been around for at least 3,500 years, um, but we have a very strong pharmaceutical lobby in this country. And they lobby people that make the laws. They put advertisements on TV. They sponsor your major network TV shows. Um, and we're in a fast food society. Everybody wants that, that quick fix. And as the man told me at my medical school graduation, the long way is the short way and the short way is the long way. So if we get away from this fast food quick fix of taking the pill and start to do more therapeutic things like acupuncture, chiropractic, uh, physical therapy, we'd all be better off in the long run. But unfortunately, it looks like we're going to be spending a bit more time learning that lesson. Speaking of which, I have the same sister that uh, has never believed really in chiropractic. I am a staunch believer in it because there have been days when I was in the restaurant business and I was on my feet a lot that I would literally crawl into a chiropractor's office. I'm sure that you've seen this. I've crawled into the chiropractor's office because I was in such pain and walked out. Uh, how often does that happen in your practice? Um, it does happen. I won't say often because um, people generally don't come to me when they're in that uh, acute of pain, unfortunately. Um, I get people who are in the, the, the chronic phase of pain after they've done everything else. Um, as my practice is getting bigger, I'm starting to see more of that. And I am thinking of one lady who was, you know, in tears and stooped over coming through the door. And now every time she comes in the office, she says, doing better. And I tell patients all the time, better. That's my favorite word. That's what I want to hear, you know, each, each visit. Exactly. Cause I, I, I remember that, that whole episode and it, you know, I got to tell you, it, it was very frustrating. 
<clears throat> excuse me, because I, I walked, you know, I, I got hurt at work and uh, it was a low, it was L4, L5. I've come to know those well now. And uh, I went to the emergency room and they put me on a gurney and I was lying there and the doctor came in and he circled the bed once, circled the bed twice, took a note or two, and then he said the following. Well, you have a back problem. No kidding, doc. <laughs> you got it. You got a back problem, and uh, this is the way I see it. You're going to have to take muscle relaxers and uh, and some pain medication, and uh, then eventually you're going to have to have surgery. And it was like, you, there's nothing else you can do? I'm sorry, it's a back problem. We can't do anything. So I walked out of his office, went to and met the chiropractor who I was with for years, and uh, I walked out of his office. And it was it was like, it's a miracle, thank God. And, and it was just amazing. And so those of you that don't believe in chiropractic, I would en encourage you to go to a good one because I tell you, there have been days that, that they've, they've literally saved my life. And have been able to, and there are people that don't believe in it, like my sister, and she's now about to have her third neck surgery. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate, you know. I, I see a, a lot of people who have had, you know, spinal fusions of some kind, whether it's the neck or lower back, and they're still taking, you know, just as much, if not more, medication as before they had the surgery. Um, and, you know, I ask them, have you ever tried chiropractic acupuncture? And they're like, yeah, but the chiropractor won't touch me because of the surgery I had. And it's like, well, maybe you should have gone, I can't say this to them, you know, but I'm thinking <laughs> in my head, maybe you should have gone to the chiropractor before the surgery. Exactly. Um, you know, and it's, we were taught in medical school, do the least invasive first. So it's pretty obvious that chiropractic is less invasive than a fusion of some kind. Um, but most medical doctors have been, you know, taught, indoctrinated, whatever term you want to use by pharmaceuticals and surgery as being the only modalities that can heal, which is an unfortunate way for, for us to look at things. And I, I certainly don't agree with, with that. Now, doctor, you've been through medical school. By the way, we're talking with Dr. James Granger. He's got a practice in uh, in Georgia, um, and he's he's all about natural pain relief. Um, now, you went through medical school. Why do they they not teach more about uh, natural nutrition and uh, um, the energy of the body and those sorts of things? Because they don't really touch on it in medical school in this country, do they? No. And it, it always goes back to money. Um, oh yeah. You know, I, I believe it was the, the, the Rockefeller started contributing money to medical schools decades ago. And you know, the, the blatant example I give is there's a book called the Merck manual and pretty much every doctor that's graduated from school here in the U S has seen it. Well, the name of the book should tell you some it's the Merck manual. It's put out by the, pharmaceutical company Merck. Uh, most of my books from residency on the binder have a stamp from Ortho McNeil, Johnson and Johnson, you know, something to that effect. So if the medical schools are getting their money from pharmaceutical companies or medical societies that in turn are sponsored by pharmaceutical companies, that's the type of education that medical doctors are going to get just like the people sitting at home. 
they're looking for some pain relief and they see a commercial on TV advertising a pharmaceutical, that's what they're, they're going to go for unless they have a friend or a family member that can introduce them to something like chiropractic or acupuncture. And, and, um, I just want to point out that uh, there's something called in, in Washington, D.C., there's something called a lobbyist. Yes. And what a lobbyist does, and correct me if I'm wrong, doctor, but a lobbyist, what his job is, is to convince legislators that they should not legislate against anything that is in their best interest or something that they are advocating for. So that so then they give money to campaigns to make sure that the doctors don't, or the uh, legislators don't vote against them. Is that is that kind of how it works? That's that's exactly how it works. And a, a, a recent prime example of that is, you know, before the, the COVID vaccines came out, they had already had laws and everything in place that the pharmaceutical companies wouldn't be held liable for any vaccine injuries. Um, and we're talking about a brand new experimental vaccine. Um, if it should happen to have some long-term implications and you know, 10 years from now, you won't see those commercials where you injured by a COVID vaccine because they've been given immunity um, by the legislators who were approached by lobbyists. Um, and there's an information part of it too. I mean, I tell people all the time, whether you watch Fox News or CNN, both are sponsored by pharmaceutical companies. So you're really looking at a very narrow stream of information. It, it's pretty uh, remarkable, isn't it, that uh, everything comes down to money and uh, and who can distribute it in their best interest. They seem to win a lot. Yeah, and it's, you know, just to go back to your original question, as far as medical doctors teaching, you know, health habits, um, preventive things, there's no money in that. If you come to me and I'm a physician and I tell you, you know, stop eating sugar and white flour. Your body will be less inflamed. You'll have less disease. There's no money in that. But if I sit back while you continue to do those things and then prescribe you a, a medication for your arthritis or your diabetes, then a pharmaceutical company can make money off of that. And I, as a physician, make money off of that for the lifelong office visits that you're going to have to endure. So there, there's... You know, money, you know, follow the money. It's, it's always there. You know, I, I get the biggest kick out of it because when people say, no, that's not, that's not really the case. I look at the cigarette industry. We know, well, you know, doctor, that cigarettes are bad for you and, and that they could have uh, life-ending repercussions. My brother died of stage four lung cancer. And he smoked his entire life. My dad died of lung cancer. I guess I better stop smoking. Uh, it would be wise of me, I think. Um, but but we still sell them. Yeah, they're, they're still available in any any grocery store and any convenience store in the country because somebody in the tobacco lobby is making sure that that continues. Yeah, and I always find it funny that if you go to <laughs> the pharmacy to get your medication for your health behind the cashier is a whole display of tobacco products. Um, <laughs> so it's like, do you really trust what you're getting at the pharmacy when, when they're selling that stuff? And you know, the, the book I wrote and published years ago 
you know, I spent a lot of time speaking about the, the food additives and how toxic they are. Meanwhile, the medical community has sat by and done nothing. But part of that problem is when I entered medical school in the late 90s, there were only four medical schools that had a designated class on nutrition. So your doctors aren't even being trained to give you advice and direction on nutrition if only four medical schools have a designated course on nutrition. There's just no money in it. And it's, it's, it's amazing to me because I, you know, when I first started learning about that and learning the differences between uh, the food that you get at the grocery store. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there's a rule of thumb to follow in the grocery store. Never go into the middle of the store. Always shop around the outside on the outside edges, because that's where the, as best as can be had, because none of it's perfect. But as best can be had, the the natural stuff and and the things, the, the vegetables and and the fruits and and the fresh meats and that kind of stuff. If you notice, those are all and dairy and stuff. Most of those are all on the outside. It's the inside where you get the box of uh, of of uh, macaroni and cheese that, if you cook it, it will last for a very long time. <laughs> because it's got preservatives in it. And I used to sell chicken for a living, so I know what they do to that. Uh, so so it, makes it, it makes it really tough if you're a consumer finding the right type of food to eat for your family. And it also costs more to do that, doesn't it? Yeah, and it, it costs you more, you know, walking out the grocery store and it's gonna cost you more in the long run because you're going to, you're gonna need to get medication for high blood pressure, diabetes, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that are, that are caused by um, the food additives, uh, whether it be MSG, aspartame, sucralose, you know, all of these substances were either had questionable studies or were understudied as far as what they do to the, the human body. Um, and there's no studies on how they act together over the long term. No studies I'm aware of. You know, what's, what's, what's interesting is I found out, I had no idea, um, that the FDA does not have a group of scientists sitting around doing tests on stuff. That what they do is they, they accept the tests that the companies themselves did and verify that the information that the companies gave them is correct. Is that, is that true in, or have I been misled? No, that's, that's true. And what makes it even worse is when an FDA scientist on a panel has a conflict of interest if i'm not mistaken they don't have to reveal what the conflict of interest is they only have to reveal that they have a conflict of interest which basically means why bother <laughs> um, and you know a lot of times those same fda scientists will all of a sudden get a job with a company that they've you know, made rulings on before in the past, or, um, you know, sometimes make ruling on companies they used to work for. Um, but you're right, the FDA should have its own scientists reviewing things to just take, you know, they're basically telling these companies, we'll take your word for it, send your paperwork in. Exactly. Well, you know, one of the one of the things that has always gotten me is that that is as a politician in this country, you can be like a senator or a representative, and then you get voted out of office, and you can go to work as a lobbyist. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, as we've said a few times already, it's it's about the money. 
Yeah, which is which is which is sad. So let's talk about you a little bit. Now you you are a doctor. You've been a doctor for over twenty years. Yeah, twenty four. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That's what the calendar tells me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't sound all that excited about that. No, it's just you know. I, I was telling one of my friends yesterday. I said, you know, after a while, Father Time steps on the gas. I, I'd wish he'd slow down a little bit. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you, uh, that, you know, and time goes so fast these days as you get older, the time just seems to go so fast. Yeah. It, it speeds up. We were talking about how we've been in this pandemic for almost two, three years already. And it seems like just a month or two. I do want to say thank you to you and everyone in the healthcare system that is doing their best to keep us alive and well and um and there's got to be some horrific stories that, that i'm sure you've heard about about what happens to people with this horrible disease and how many people are are actually dying and stuff so it's 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 got to be tough but i want to thank you for the work that you're doing oh thank you cuz it is important because you you guys you know and so, and I'm not going to ask you about uh, whether or not you think people should be vaccinated or not. Um, that's a, that's a, that's a whole other can of worms. That, but uh, but uh, you do subscribe. Do you subscribe to the uh, to the wearing of the masks and social distancing and all of those sorts of things? Um, social distancing, yes. Um, I am not anti-mask per se, but as far as mandates for the mask, I don't subscribe to that. Um, you know, someone says wear a mask, I wear a mask, but from a science standpoint, um, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid like the folks you see on TV. Let's put it that way. Well, and, and there again, they, you know, they've got a reason for, everybody's got a reason for why they're saying what they're saying. And, uh, but I, I agree with you. I think that, that, uh, um, it's important that we take care of ourselves and not put ourselves into a compromising situation. Yeah. The, the, you know, at the end of the day with the mass is, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of go ahead and tell the whole story here. If you look back at those pictures from the Spanish flu pandemic, uh-huh. people were wearing masks. Okay. So we've known about masks for a hundred years between 12 and 60,000 people a year die in this country from the flu. So my question then becomes, if we're going to wear masks for 200,000 people dying from COVID, but we don't wear it for 60,000 people dying from the flu, where's the cutoff? There, there's got to be, if, if masks truly work at preventing viral illness, why haven't we been wearing masks every year during flu season to prevent those 60,000 a year deaths? But now we're in a mad panic over supposedly 200,000 deaths. You know, if that's the policy and masks truly work, we've had a hundred years to figure that out. Shouldn't we have implemented mask wearing long ago? And, you know, when I look at the, 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 study after study that seems to be coming out about the mass, all the ones that say mass work seem to have happened after COVID. And that's, that's just a hard pill for me to swallow. Um, so that, that's kind of my question about it is, you know, if masks really work, why haven't we been wearing them for the past hundred years? 
Well, the, the, the only thing that I would add to that is that there are no mask mandates of what is a good mask, what is a bad mask, and there aren't any standards by which the the masks are uh, given to us so that we know that we're we have the highest degree of safety. Is that is that true, or do they have standards? I don't know. Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you this: there was a study in two thousand nine, I believe it was, and this was published, I think, in in JAMA in 2009 and what they did is they took the n95 mask that we've all heard about right the standard surgical mask and they compared two groups of nurses to see which mask worked better against preventing the flu and the conclusion of the study was neither one of them worked well that's good news yeah so that was in 2009 now all of a sudden in 2019 and beyond they're saying mass work um, you know, my gut feeling and, you know, as a physician is that basically this mass mandate is kind of a, you know, let's quell the masses, let's give them something so they don't worry so that they feel better. Um, you know, like I said, I, I, I comply with the mask wearing, but I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid as my dad told me in, in college, he said, you know, if you want to get an A on the test, write down what the teacher told you but you don't have to believe it <laughs> and and that's that's how i look at it you know okay they say mask fine mask but i'm not going to believe you is it is it kind of like the spaghetti theory you throw spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks yeah and i mean i guess it was about a year half it was before the, the election, um, the former CDC director, Dr. Uh, Redfield, I believe his name is, he came out and said, you know, right now, all we have is social distancing and masks. And my first knee-jerk reaction to that statement was, he's lying because there are other things that can prevent disease that they haven't tried yet. But then I understood it from another standpoint that that's all they had to offer. At that time, they, there was no vaccine. So all they did have was uh, mask and social distancing. Um, and as you know, the CDC, they have to have something to, to give people, you know, just to prevent hysteria, so to speak. Um, but there are other things that haven't been looked at that most people haven't even heard of. Um, you know, silver nanoparticles, colloidal silver, blood electrification, there are um, herbs that are been known to have antiviral components. Um, I was a big proponent of when COVID first started using and looking at traditional Chinese herbs, 92% of Chinese patients, you know, in China were getting a Chinese herbal remedy along with their Western medicine when they were being treated for COVID. Of course, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a big enough name for my words to get uh, repeated. And then all of a sudden, a year later, I see that the FDA is deciding to research Chinese herbs. It's like you should have done that from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we have a tendency. We don't, we don't listen to um, some of the things that have been, been effective for 
hundreds and in some cases like Ayurvedic medicine, uh, thousands of years, uh, we don't take, and we've already discussed why that is, is because there's not a lot of money in it. And the pharmaceutical companies don't want you to to do that when they can when you can buy uh, go to the pharmacy. That's that's why <laughs> I had to laugh. There's pharmacies virtually on every corner. Yeah, um, I, if you see a pharmacy on one corner, yeah, you're right. There's usually one on the opposite corner, and I'm I'm sitting here looking out the window, thinking the next corner down where there's a pharmacy, and there is another one on the other corner. <laughs> Yep, it's it's almost like Starbucks, you know. You you got to yeah. go get a coffee, and then you go get your pills after you get your coffee. Yeah, and Starbucks, they're they're inter- they have an interesting formula too, because you know you've got a stimulant caffeine, which is habit forming, and then if you look at their food offerings, most of it is sugar, high carbohydrate, which you know has a, an addictive component to it. It's it, it's a from a business standpoint, it's a great business formula. Um, as far as a product that that people become physically dependent on from a health standpoint, it's not very good. Um, scone. Yeah, I need yeah. my scone. Yeah. <laughs> I need my cookie to have with my coffee. <laughs> you no, know, you're right. And there isn't a whole lot of healthy offerings there um, unless they stick it in the microwave, which has a whole nother thing all by itself. Uh, yeah. You know, so doctor, it's, you know, it's great to have you here. I would love to have you on, on a kind of a regular basis to kind of give us a, a, some, and talk more about some natural remedies, some natural foods, some things that we can do to help ourselves uh, live a little bit better because, you know, as I'm discovering the old, now that I'm not as young as I used to be, I need to start worrying about taking care of myself or I'm not going to have myself to take care of. Yeah. Funny, funny how that works. I'm in that 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 same boat. Once you break five zero, the game changes. Actually, it changes at thirty, and then again at forty, and then again at fifty. <laughs> oh, wait till you get to sixty. Yeah. Well, my dad used to say, when you turn forty, you ask, "Is something going to hurt today?" He said, "When you turn fifty, you ask, what's going to hurt today?'" <laughs> and when you when you turn sixty, you're like, "Man, that doesn't hurt. That's a change." <laughs> Because everything yeah. hurts. Yeah. You know, and uh, and uh, there's, with our society, you know, like, one of the things that, that, and I'll just take this as a personal moment, if I can, uh, one of the things that has, has got me going is that, that I have an autoimmune uh, inflammatory thing going on, and they can't, nobody can seem to tell me what it is based on or where it is coming from. My sister's got the same thing. Part of it's hereditary, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, nobody can tell me, okay, if you do this and, and take and, and work on this, then you'll feel better, um, and stuff. So is that, are you finding that, uh, autoimmune, uh, inflammatory, uh, issues are becoming more prevalent in our society? Yeah, and I think that's going to get worse. Oh, goody. Uh, before it gets better, and two reasons for that. One is the, the, the food additives we, we have, um, and two, and hopefully I'm wrong about this, is th- this mass vaccination um, program we seem to be on um, because we really can't tell for sure what the long-term effects are going to be. Uh, with the COVID-19 vaccine. Kind of my gut feeling tells me is we're going to run into some autoimmune um, 
problems from this vaccine, you know, years down the road. Um, and since so many people have been vaccinated and are eating this processed foods, it, it's, it's going to get going to get worse. And not to mention environmental toxins from, you know, all the pollutants that we have in the air. Hopefully these electric vehicles will help that some, but that, that, that's not going to happen overnight. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't see a whole lot of it in my office, but I'm starting to see more people with neurodegenerative diseases, autoimmune diseases, um, coming in the door for acupuncture. The good news is we can help with those things. Oh, I'm going to fly over. And cause we're in Washington and I'm going to, you're in Georgia. I'm going to, of course, there are lots of quality acupuncturists locally here. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I actually, I got my training out there on the West coast in, in San Francisco. Um, so yeah, you're fortunate to be on the West coast. You, acupuncture is probably more popular there than it is here in Georgia. So I'm kind of fighting an uphill battle. We have a chiropractic university here in Atlanta. So there's a chiropractor on every other corner um, from the pharmacy. Um, there's not a lot of acupuncturists here. Um, like in this state, it, last I checked, there are only two or three of us that use the, the, the protocols and methodology I do with my, my acupuncture here in the office, you know, just two or three of us here in the whole state. Um, hopefully that'll change and people start to, you know, be more open-minded and, and give it a try. One thing I will mention to some people is, you know, nobody ever overdosed from acupuncture, but there are people overdosing every minute from, um, you know, the opiate based medications. Um, it is, it, yeah, it is. Now, it is, isn't it true too, that there are, cause there are guys that when I was driving a bus, there were guys, they were buying illegal drugs on the street and then they've got this, uh, additive that they put into it that makes it more potent, but if they put too much in and it was like a grain makes it um more potent but two grains can kill you is that am, am i correct in that yeah what's what's happening is you know oxycodone is kind of the popular pill medication that uh people are using but there's a stronger opiate called fentanyl that's it and what's happening is these street chemists have figured out that if they take fentanyl and make it look like an oxydone, uh, oxycodone pill that helps their market but what hurts their market is these people are overdosing because it's it's so strong but yeah they're they're basically mixing fentanyl with these oxycodone pills and making the fentanyl to look like oxycodone and people aren't it's not just overdosing they're they're dying um, because it's such a strong opiate and and i just want to make a plea if i can to our audience that's listening um, if you know somebody that has, has a history of that, uh, that has been, been, uh, an addict of, of that, make, make sure that you stay in touch with them, make sure that you, you help them out. I, I know one gentleman that, uh, was in a recovery program and, and, uh, got away from him. He got a little bit of money. And the next thing that they knew, they found him in a hotel room with a needle in his arm and he was passed away. Um, because it can happen that fast. It, it, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, uh, as you as you were telling that story, I was thinking of uh, 
Philip Seymour Hoffman, the, the popular actor that was in Hunger Games and a bunch of other movies. Um, and I remember seeing a, you know, obviously he had some money, but he died right here in Atlanta, I believe, uh, from an overdose. And then shortly after he died, I found out that he went to the same high school I did and was like a year or two behind me. And that, that just kind of hit home a little bit. Yeah, because you just, and it it isn't just homeless people. It is people that have, have chronic pain. There's people that have been on opiates for years. Um, and now that they're putting, are you finding that since they're putting such a strict um, um, moratorium on them that people are going to um, illegal uh, uh, dealers to to get their their uh, oxycodone? Um, I don't think anything's changed in that regard um, because it's a progression. What what happens a lot of times is people will start off with the pain pills and then kind of progress to the heroin street street drugs. Um, but at the same time, sometimes the prescription drugs are more accessible. Um, and that's not only on the pain addictions side of things, people who are in recovery. You know, I use a medication called buprenorphine, also known as Suboxone, on patients to treat opiate addiction. And what I found in the past two or three years is patients come through the door having already taken it because they've gotten it on the street. Um, which makes my job a little easier because then I know what their dose is when they walk through the door. Um, it's not an ideal situation. It's just the reality of it. Um, you know, and to go back to the pharmacist, I hear, I have patients complain when they go to the pharmacist to get their pain medication filled, the pharmacist looks down on them. Then I have one of my addiction patients that's go to the pharmacist and the pharmacist gives them the side eye because they know they have had an addiction problem at some point. Um, so, you know, that judgment doesn't help. We need to look at this as, you know, a, a physical and mental health problem that needs to be solved and not judge people. Addiction is a, you know, it's a physical and mental illness. Um, I tell people all the time, you don't, don't judge people by addiction because you probably have one yourself. And if you don't think you do, go stand outside of Starbucks and watch how quickly people scurry into that door first thing in the morning. They're going in to get their fix. Um, you know, that same is thing as people at the drive-through, you know, at a fast food place. Uh, you know, there's, there's an addictive component to food as well. That's why we have an obesity and heart disease problem in this country. Those food additives are addicting for a reason. Back to our previous statements about money you know there was something at one time called a big mac attack and that was when you needed to have a big mac because that was you know it that was the really cool thing and and that's big macs i can't imagine how bad those things are for you yeah if you set one on the counter it'll still be sitting there two months two years <laughs> from now um, I've, I've seen that, that demonstration before people with the Big Mac or McDonald's burger that just doesn't decay. <laughs> you, 
you know, we can we can get into talking a, a whole bunch about labeling and how th- how things are labeled that that are misleading uh, that tell you different things because now everybody's required to put calories on everything, but they don't tell you what the portion is. So you can you can have something that's like like they're like a, a chicken pot pie is one of my favorite examples, where that a, a single portion is one third of the chicken pot pie, which is like four ounces, and it's like five hundred calories. So if you eat the entire chicken pot pie, it's like fifteen hundred calories. Yeah, and that's like one of my favorite ones along that line is you know there's there's a market for these protein bars. You know that people who are going to the gym on a regular basis trying to stay healthy it's like yeah it's got 16 grams of protein but it's still got 30 grams of sugar like a snickers so what are you really accomplishing paying three dollars for a protein bar instead of a dollar for the snickers um so you you really have to be careful and read the read the labels it's all about uh, uh, labeling and stuff. And in, in Georgia, as an example, you are one of the larger chicken producers in the country. And uh, um, the, the entire chicken um, um, program and how it works is, is designed to give them antibiotics and to keep the flocks alive and healthy so that they can make their money. It's Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, and those, those antibiotics and you know, whatever else that they're putting in those chickens and our beef supply, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the type of things that lead to, you know, allergies, autoimmune diseases, um, you know, chronic illness, neurodegenerative diseases, et cetera. Um, So again, like you alluded to earlier, get your, your stuff from the outside aisles of the grocery store, you know, organic helps um, just to stay away from pesticides, hormones, antibiotics. It's and, but it's really hard to do because uh, as an example, the way, the way that most of it works is that like in the, in the chicken farms, uh, the, the chicken farmer is given uh, um, so many chicks, then they count the chicks going in and they count the chicks coming out uh, the full grown chickens and they get paid only on the live ones that are left. So they, they, if they can keep the flock healthy and alive by giving it antibiotics and keeping it disease free, they make more money. And so that's part of what that feeds into that whole thing, don't you think? Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's it's about the money. That's that's why it's a food industry. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And and you know what? They still make Twinkies too. <laughs> you know I, I i remember eating a twinkie as a kid and thinking this tastes like petroleum <laughs> and i still ate it anyway you know and and that's you know kind of the the, the mindset a lot of us have and and we've kind of grown up with and get into our adult years and end up paying a price for it in, in one shape or form um but we, we've got to have a, a big paradigm shift as, as far as, you know, educating people both from the medical community and in the public schools um, and get rid of these food and pharmaceutical lobbyists that, that are just out to make a buck. Um, you know, we spend millions and billions of dollars on tanks and airplanes and 
homeland security to prevent terrorists, but then at the end of the day, most of us are dying from diabetes and heart disease. So where should we be spending our money? I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. As, as a matter of fact, Benny, I got a question for you. Okay, sir. What is that white thing that's in the middle of a Twinkie? <laughs> I couldn't exactly explain it. Some goo. Let's just go with that. <laughs> I, and if you look at the and the doctor, do you have any idea what that white stuff is in the middle of a Twinkie? Uh, cream filling. There you go. <laughs> I'm with but, it, but it's not cream filling. That's 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 the nice way of putting it. But it's really not. It's some sort of sugar thing that doesn't you you can't. I bet you you could cook it and it won't and it won't decay. Probably. So, by the way, we're talking with uh, Dr. James Granger, and he is a, a, a MD in uh, and uh, acupuncturist. You've also worked a great deal with uh, um, 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 ad- addiction and and folks that have got that problem. Do you find that the folks that have an opiate addiction is there hope for them? Can they can can they get better? Oh yeah, yeah, it, it can definitely get better. Um, the biggest obstacle to people getting better is our resources. Um, you know, it's, it's a mental and social problem, um, to a large degree. And, you know, once people have a problem, you know, I can prescribe them a medicine that's going to take care of any withdrawal symptoms and cravings, but you've also got a behavioral component and, you know, folks need counseling, um, how to identify triggers, coping mechanisms, how to, cope with life's hurdles and avoid those triggers. That's, that's really the big part that gets people um, better long-term, but unfortunately a lot of our insurance companies and, you know, our Medicare, Medicaid system, it's just underfunded or they won't fund those services. And as you can imagine, a lot of people with addiction problems, you know, can't afford those services. Now some can, don't get me wrong because addiction affects people from all walks of life. Um, right. you know, people have stereotypes in their head, but there are doctors, lawyers, uh, politicians with addiction problems. Um, it, it's not just, you know, your blue collar labor that, that, that's a myth. Exactly. Exactly. And doctor, if somebody would, I, we're coming toward the end of our time together. And I j- just want to say, first of all, thank you for coming here. It's been, it's been awesome. You've, you've provided us with a lot of information, but if somebody wants to contact you and find out more information about what it is that you do and perhaps, uh, um, work with you in some manner or form, how would they get a hold of you? They can visit our website, which is acupuncture and That's a great website, by the way, I was on it not too long ago today. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And you can email us there at manager at acupuncture and injury.com and all our other contact information is there on the website. It's, it's awesome that you are here. I'm glad that there are doctors out there like you that are taking a natural approach to life because uh, at the end of the day, we, we can only have so many pills and so many Twinkies. Well, thanks for having me. It's, it's been great for you to be here. And, and again, thank you very much. And your website again is acupuncture and it's noon there. It's almost one o'clock. Have we taken up your entire lunchtime? No, no. Oh, that's good. <laughs> no, we, we start late today and finish late today. So it, it's not even lunchtime for me yet.
Oh, very nice, very nice. Well, I, I want to thank you again for being here. It's been it's been really cool, um, and I appreciate it very much. Oh, thank you for having me. You betcha, Doctor, and you have a great day. And uh, and Benny, um, we're, our next show is going to be Wednesday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon with Mr. Ryder. And Eric and, Hall, yes, right? I'm sorry, what? And Eric Hall. And Eric Hall as well. Okay, yes, indeed. Okay. So we're going we're gonna to have a really good time, and I want to thank you for being a wonderful uh, director and taking care of us today. And he is actually wearing a, a shirt from 1979, the world champion Supersonics. And have a great day, everybody, and uh, take care. We'll see you soon. <laughs> <laughs>